Welcome to the Living Intentionally Podcast. My name is Chaim Loeb. In this podcast, you will hear and learn what breeds action, where living intentionally leads to action. You will acquire knowledge from those who are in the state of action. Yes, I said action a few times. Why? Because this is the only way to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Today, you'll be hearing from Louis Seif. Louis has done an Ironman. Louis runs 40 miles a week. But Louis also, at one point, was 450 pounds. Anything is possible. Here is Louis. Though the vulnerability, I mean, it's hard, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes to get out and the more rewarding it is. Emotionally speaking, um, I love the emotional side of things, like, you know, the mindset side of things. And I'm wondering, like, for you, you know, what has kind of like the work you've put in to your life change, right? Changing of habits, changing of behaviors. Um, what has it done emotionally for you? I mean, it, it's also, it's, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't just the people think it's just the weight loss. It really, the weight loss is a byproduct. Um, it's a component of the emotional and psychological like just that whole transformation the weight loss and the other elements of my life that have seen a positive uptick are a byproduct of that emotional development um and what it is for me and what what is a you know result of that is really looking within how i interact with things instead of when something goes quote unquote wrong or i feel mistreated or i feel a certain way what was my part in that what did I have to do that? How can I change myself, my perspective, my actions to really internalize and see how I can interact with it differently? Because let's say it's a person. Let's say I don't like how I was treated. This rela- a relationship isn't going well, whether it's business, whether it's personal, whatever it might be. May- I'm not going to ever change somebody else, but I can change how they affect me. Right. And then what is what you're saying is when you change that kind of, outlook of like from being a victim like when something isn't working right when you feel like you weren't treated right to kind of going down the wrong path are you saying like changing that to going down the path that's going to build you and that's how kind of it affected you well yeah and it's it's also it's also the ownership of my own emotions and and actually not just recognizing them but being okay with feeling them. They're not all positive. They're not all great. Things don't always go right, but they always go. So if I ignore them and ignore how anything makes me feel or how I interact with something, I am never not just going to get past it. I'm just going to keep doing that. It's just going to keep happening. And I'm never going to know why I'm never going to, I'm never going to look within myself on how to change that. Right. And when you were not in a place that you are now in terms of your health, your fitness, um, when you're looking back, maybe eight years or whatever it is, right? How, how were you emotionally? Like, what was your reaction to things? Like, what would you, when something wasn't going your way or someone hurt you, like, how did you react then? Um, always um, rashly, aggressively, typically very quickly. Um, and the reactions were always shifting blame. It was always about finding a reason, something to blame it on, something to justify whether it was ha- me doing something wrong, a justification for that, or 
see, I, it was never me doing something wrong. You know, really, I did everything I was supposed to, some, uh, blaming somebody else. People placed their things to, ca- to have caused what went wrong rather than, and even if it was, even if that was the representation, maybe that was true, I never tried to change any of that. Right. And yeah, like you said, like, even when it, like, it, it was true, when, when you kind of could say, okay, even if this is true, but I could kind of take a different road here, take responsibility and kind of have that like growth mindset of, of things, it really could kind of change my whole perspective and change the outcome of how my next day. Yeah. I, if I, I can choose to focus on the negative, even, whether there's, even if there is negative, I can choose to focus on it or how I can choose that negative to grow from it. Yeah, totally. Looking back like eight years or what, what was the year when you kind of made, uh, um, it was, I mean, so there, there were, there were a couple of different times that I would say 2015, the, the day of my last, the last time I smoked a cigarette was May 5th, 2015. Um, it was also a day, um, I got very sick. I had aspiration pneumonia. I uh, I was in the hospital for for ten days on a ventilator um, in a coma, um, and that was that was the beginning of the end. I, I would say it got worse before it got better, uh, because coming out of that took not just a physical recovery but just a mental recovery. Because I I was I was very out of it. I was disoriented and I was I was downright depressed. Like I almost died. I got out of the hospital. I couldn't even walk. Um, and even when I relearned how to walk, like I, in the hospital, I lost 30 pounds from like, I went from, I think it was 390 to 360, but that wasn't any weight you want to lose. That was all muscle mass in the legs. I couldn't walk anymore. Right. And I ballooned up after that. I went back up to 380, like after leaving the hospital, I, I probably put on 70 or 80 pounds over the course of, I don't know, three months. Um, after leaving the hospital after leaving the hospital. So it got worse before it got better, but like the turning point was in 2015. What would you say like, so it got worse, got, then it got like before it got better. What would you say was like your enough is enough moment, I guess, after that? So, I mean, that is, I mean, that is a pretty big moment. So it's funny that that wouldn't be like, wow, you just jumped on right after that. But like that, it's not that that wasn't enough. The depression that set in after that, I don't think I was even capable to be reasonable about doing anything after like being at that, that low. So I had to wait for a, that to wear off and, and me to take certain actions, which I did take, they didn't necessarily result in what I wanted to. And I, I, am very careful not to use the word try. Um, people that know me well, I don't like the word try because you can do, or you could not do trying is literally setting the expectation that failure is that, that you're not going to be successful. Failure is okay. You're doing it, but you did it. You actually did it. You failed at doing it, but you did it. You didn't try to do it. You went out, you set out to do something, and you didn't accomplish it. That's fine. Um, but so it's tough to say that like that's not what 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 spurred it. But I do remember um, it was I believe it was in um, uh, January, maybe late December of 2015 that I was a Friday afternoon. I had come home from work, and I, I mean I was you know just even walking up the steps, going to my bedroom, I just always felt like trash. Just like I just like immediately felt like I was going to have a heart attack just walking up the steps. 
And I, you know, was getting undressed to take a shower and I had to, you know, obviously sit down on something to just take off my socks. I, I couldn't even bend down to take off my socks or whatever. And I sat down and like just leaning over, and I could barely even get to my feet to take off my socks. And I was like almost hyperventilating and like breathing heavy and my heart was beating fast. Just simple act, like a simple, simple thing. And I broke down. I'm like, I, I, I never want to feel like this again. And obviously it was many months of still feeling like that until that changed because it's, it takes action after action after action. And, you know, you're not just going to lose 80 pounds in five minutes. Um, but that was a point where I'm like, I never want to feel like this again. And, and I took that and I challenged it. I immediately right then, uh, I signed up for, for the gym. I downloaded, you know, my fitness pal and I started tracking every single bite of food that went into my mouth. And it wasn't immediately that I started eating healthier, uh, but it made me conscious of, you know, mental versus physical hunger. And the, it, it helped me, uh, learn and understand the values of food and what they are in my body, how they make me feel, how I interact with activities as a result. And I, even, I couldn't really even start exercising until I started feeling better. And that wasn't about a weight. That was about an actual physical feeling. There's a correlation between, you know, nutrition and the way you feel, not just as it pertains to physical activity. Yeah. Well, can you tell me a little bit about like what life was like? Um, you know, in 2014, 2015, before you made a change, like you mentioned a little bit about going up the stairs. I saw something you wrote about being on a plane and how that affected you mentally and emotionally. What would you say, you know, how would you explain some, some other kind of um, explanation of what everyday life was for you? Because I want to just understand what, so a big, a big part of like every day, like first off, there was, I, I, I don't think even depression uh, half the time is a, is a strong enough uh, word for like, cause I, whether it's clinical or just being really down all the time, because every, every, every interaction, everything I did everywhere I was really brought the focus to myself of, wow, I, I, I look awful. I feel bad about the way I feel. I feel bad about the way I look. And so much of my life was like, if I would go outside, the constant focus would be on how I think other people are looking at me. Cause I was so uncomfortable in my own skin with who I was, how I acted. And re and I, there, I, there was never a thought of the future. There was never a, like, I couldn't even think about, forget about a year from then about the tomorrow. I just, I didn't even want tomorrow to come. I didn't want, I, I wanted today to end, but tomorrow wasn't going to be any better. And I wasn't, I, I, there was nothing I did to try and change that really at the time that I saw uh, because I, I felt hopeless. I felt helpless. I was really, really, I was helpless. I really was. I, I there was nothing I felt like I had the capability of doing. And it wasn't just because, Oh, you know, when you're overweight, you can't lose weight. When you don't eat healthy, you can't eat healthy. When you're depressed, you can't take actions and reach out to people. I didn't do any of that, but I felt I was so far gone and I had tried so many times and every time I had started getting down that path of uh, not physical fitness, but at least losing weight uh, and 
it always reverted back. It always, I always got to a point, I always hit a plateau and I always sunk back in and, and old habits always took over. And I, I felt so hopeless because I, there was, there's something about being 300 pounds, but being 400 and 450 pounds, is like, there's no quick fix. There's no, like you work out for six months and you're good to go because the problem is much more than the weight. And because it's much more than the weight and how long it'll take to take off that weight, the focus starts becoming on, on other things. Like what's causing me to feel this way. And if it's not just about not being able to move. Right. What would you say were the habits and behaviors that you had that you developed to create somebody who was 450 pounds? Before we hear more from our guests about that, I'd like to share a quick message. If what you're listening to is enjoyable, please give a follow, a share, a review be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Now back to the show. Um, thinking that um, it would th- that it was all me. I'm the only person that be, not being okay with talking about things with other people. That's a very big component. Um, leaning on food for comfort. That's another big component. Uh, food is a drug, just like any other. And right now, you know, exercise is a drug for me. Fitness, like fitness is a drug for me. But, but the, the, the big, the, the reason why food is one of the hardest ones to overcome is because you can stop using cocaine and live and be fine. You can't stop eating food. You just have to channel it to eat the right way or the right amounts of it, which is very difficult when food I lean on food to make me feel good. And because it was, it was always there. It never went anywhere. It didn't change how it acted based on the day it had. Like if you have a friend that you want to lean on, like it, it, I, I didn't lean on anybody else. I, I kept it all to myself. I think that that is the biggest, um, the, 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 the thing that held me back the most. It's interesting. Cause you speak on, um, you know, bring it all into yourself and not kind of talking with anybody and not, and only seeing yourself. Um, but you were kind of leaning on something, which was food. Um, so it's just interesting that it's, it, it takes, um, I would say from what I'm understanding, the, the connection of, of, not only seeing yourself and, and, and leaning on another human and talking things out. And I, I, if I remember correctly, I was reading something you wrote and you spoke about just kind of saying certain things and getting it out there helps you so much. And in the beginning of us talking today, you spoke about, you know, people reaching out to you, people asking you questions that kind of keeps you going as well. So like having that other person, other thing, component, just not, you know, just seeing you um, really kind of. And because I I think I, I, at at the time, and I I think a lot of people fall prey to this is that we think we're alone in our troubles, that nobody else has things going on like us. Mm -hmm. We are single, single single-handedly different. And it's not that it's worse or better, but our, what we're going through is unique. No one's ever dealt with this before. So it could be that we think people don't want to hear about it. Uh, could be that there's a stigma associated with it, whatever that issue is, or it could be the simple fact of, like I just said, that we don't think anybody can even be relatable because it's a unique issue to ourselves. 
And I, I think that's, I mean, not just a crutch, that's a scapegoat in not putting it out there because that's a, that's, a, that's a defense mechanism because putting it out there is hard. Keeping it to myself and saying I'm unique in this issue and it's only affecting me. It has, it could, nobody else can actually have gone through this or the way I'm going through it is a defense mechanism. And that makes it easier because you don't have to do the work. You can just keep dwelling in it. Meanwhile, once you start doing the work, you realize the work is hard, but it's, it makes the outcome is much easier than the result of not doing it. Yeah. So what do you think kind of like broke, broke you to kind of, did you end up reaching out to people? What, what ended up happening for you to kind of get out of that place? Or maybe you haven't. I think I started to need, I needed to start becoming comfortable with myself even before that would happen. Like I, I would share things with people that, you know, it was very few uh, people, especially at that point in my life. Now I have a much larger support system, thankfully, like which I've, I've grown and try and hang on to. You really have to keep those people in your life, you know, at all costs. You have to, it, and it takes work. Mm -hmm. um, but the biggest thing I did, and it wasn't just about the emotional, um, uh, the emotional fitness, I'll call it. I had to take actions, repeated actions, and do them over and over and over and over and over again whether I wanted to or not, whether I felt that they were doing anything for me or not, because, you know, you want to compare it to lifting weights. You're not going to do a chest press once and be able to bench whatever, whatever your goal is going to be. You're not going to be able to uh, go for one run and then be ready to run a marathon and think you're going to, if you try something new, you're going to suck at it for a very long time. And that, that takes away some of the motivation so people ask, like, what was your motivation to start working out? Like, how are you motivated? And I say all the time, I was the furthest thing from a motivated person when I started exercising. I had no motivation for at least, at, and at, this is an extreme case. I think people get it a lot quicker than this. I had no motivation for the first six months I was exercising. And every single time I did it, I went in there and I hated it. I hated every second. I hated it. I, I, I wasn't having a good time. It wasn't fun. I hid in the corner of the gym on an elliptical out of sight, out of mind. I went there at like the latest possible hour so I wouldn't interact or see people or wouldn't be seen by other people. But I went there every day because you know what? This, this was it. It was either going to happen or it wasn't. But it wasn't going to happen if I didn't put in the work. And it took three to six months of just continually putting in the work with an unmotivated mind and unmotivated body to just actually start feeling it. it the feeling doesn't always inspiration is a spark. It's, it's a flint. And if you don't kindle that flame, it's, it's going to disappear. And I never felt, I didn't feel motivated for the longest time. I just knew I needed to keep doing the action. And I just, I just hoped and prayed to God that it would come. And eventually it did. I love it now. I can't do without it. <laughs> well, it's, it's a new drug, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, what, what's, what has been your main motivator to, for you to continue taking action now, like, you know, like what's been your main, because I, I like the, the thought of like, I, I, you know, what you were saying about inspiration and motivation is just kind of like a spark. And I think, you know, action breeds motivation and, and exactly. action is like the main thing and the, living intentionally, you know, the, 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 the podcast that, that you're on right now, it's all about action, meaning action is the only thing that kind of brings you from point A to point B, nothing else. So I wonder, like, what's been your mo main motivator to kind of continue this action for your health? 
Yeah, because honest, I, honestly, people say, wow, it must be so great now. Everything's so easy. It's actually much harder now to stay motivated than it was before. I mean, granted, I can't live without the except the actual motivation to to maintain like the, the healthy lifestyle and the fitness. It's more difficult now because there's, it's not that it's almost like there's no destination. Like when you're going through a weight loss program, okay, I dropped 10 pounds. I dropped 20. I, I went down six inches. Of the way. Like it's exciting. You, you're going somewhere, but once you've gotten there, where are you going now? You, you have to make new destinations and new goals to stay motivated. And a lot of what keeps me motivated, like I, you know, I, I, I developed friendships and my social life is very, you know, is really focused on fitness. Like that's most of my socialization, most of my friends group that I see on a, re on a regular basis. And this has helped me through our current, you know, what we're going through now with Corona's like shelter in place type of a thing. It's difficult. You can't see or socialize with people, but if you can, you know, exercise in a helpful way with other people in a safe manner, that was the only form of socialization I did for six months. So what keeps me motivated now is, and it's not just that, but what I said at the beginning about people reaching out to me and, or me reaching out to other people to share my experience and in the, just the small possibility that, you know, one person will take one little thing out of anything I said. And when, when I, when it comes back to me and somebody tells me that it did, not that it just means so much to me, that actually does motivate me to keep going because it's not just that it's worth it. That's a destination because I, I, I wish I logged and journaled every, every single day when it was happening, when I was going through how terrible it was and how I wasn't motivated and how I just needed to act into the motivation and not the other way around. Um, the motivation doesn't, doesn't spur the action. The action spurs the motivation. Um, I, I, I should have, and I should have taken a picture every day, but we don't want to, like when we're going through what we're going through, we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel and, 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 and that light at the end of the tunnel would show us, let's, ch I want to channel that person that was on the corner of the gym and the elliptical, um, and, and just went in there, even though he didn't want to, even though he felt nothing good from it. That's, that's the mind that I think can help people. That's what can, I, I, I want to try and channel, which is why speaking to other people keeps me motivated. See, that reminds me of what I can, I can always go back to. What motivates me is, is fear. Really, it's fear. Fear of, of going back to the way it was is a very big motivator too. So, so you just like ended that with like a huge bomb right there. And I'm curious, like, do you feel like, if you kind of let go, right? So you say you speak on fear. Like, do you feel like you could be back there instead of a finger almost? Like, I, you know, yeah, like, you see now it, it takes forever to make progress, but it, it is so much faster to lose it. So do you feel like, you know, if, if you kind of like snap, you know, out of like, if you kind of lose the handle, like right now you have a handle, you is like in your mindset, are you like keeping a, a grip? on this life and like if you kind of let go like it could go back like is that kind of in an in, almost that, in an almost in an instant i fear it could be almost in an instant because the if i don't keep it close that feeling of who i was and where i was and and everything that surrounded it the 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 further away i that becomes from me the closer i am to getting back there Interesting. You, I know you mentioned, um, you know, you got to want it like more than you need to breathe. So when you were going to the gym for six months, not motivated, was that on your mind? 
Yeah, I, I mean, because I, 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 I said to myself and I said out loud, like, not only is this it, this is my last chance. I'm going to die before I'm 40. I, I, I don't know that I was going to make it to 30. I was 25 at the time. I don't know that I'm going to make it to 30 or 35. I'm, not only am I going to die, but one of the big motivated, what did, mo, if, I, if I had a motivation then was I wasn't living life for myself. Like I had nothing. Like I, it, there was no me. I wasn't living life for myself. So I wanted to live a life with others. Like I wasn't going to be able to, I couldn't be there for myself. So I couldn't think about having a family. I'm not, I'm not married. I wasn't, I wasn't dating anybody then. And I couldn't even think about starting relationships because I couldn't be there for myself. How could I think I'm going to provide anything for anybody else? So if there was any motivation, that's more of an external motivation. That's, that's not something that motivates me for me. Um, but, but that, that's, you know, a big part of it too. Yeah. I'm just something that I'm personally curious about is like work, right? Work now versus work then. What's the difference? I mean, then I actually was in a job I didn't necessarily like. It was something that was, I wouldn't say comfortable, but it was just something I didn't have to try at. It wasn't challenging. And it, and it allowed me to just be stuck and wallow in my own mire, so to speak. Um, and the work then was just like, uh, it was pretty much support my eating habits, maybe. And now I, I like to be challenged. Like I, the, one of the biggest changes, like when I, when I, when I, it was after I lost, uh, I think it was 50 or 60 pounds, but I was still, well, you know, I was still around 400 pounds. And I said, okay, now I'm, I'm changing my life. I, I, it's not, like, I hate my job. I, I hate what I do. I don't like the people I work with. I don't like what I do. Let me do something about it. So I started applying for other jobs that were outside of like what I was actually doing. Like I, I was never involved in fashion or, or, or anything like that. Um, and I started applying to jobs and I went in for, you know, an interview and I, I still, you know, my, I'm still with the same company and I interviewed one of the owners who, who, who I directly report to. And he still tells me to this day. And I, I recognized it then and along the way, and they saw me go in, in the first, you know, eight months I was working there, 12 months I was working there, they saw me go from this 400 pounds to 200, like to really fit and healthy and then doing all these races and like they were just like enamored by it. But he reminds me, and, it, and it's a very relevant point that I came in there, he didn't see the image in front of him because the image would have scared anybody away. This was just like coming out of the shell of the person it used to be into what I am now. And he said, I didn't, I didn't see the physical being, I just saw what could be. And I didn't see that in myself. That was something I didn't see in myself. That's so a I, special I, person. And, and that, that is part of what has also kept me there. I enjoy the work I do. I enjoy the people I work with. And I think a big part of that is because I, I'm happy with who I am. Um, so, you know, it, it's rewarding in that nature. And knowing that I work with somebody that does recognize that and people also helps me um, be more open-minded towards other people because it's very easy for me to slip back in and see somebody on the street or see somebody in a restaurant ordering the supersize this or whatever it is and pass judgment. But I'm much quicker to really put myself in their shoes and, and, it, and it, it makes me sad sometimes to see, I mean, people can live the life they'd like and that's perfectly fine, but so much, so many people want change, but don't have the tools required to make it. I wonder, like, it feels like you're speaking a lot about the relationship with yourself, meaning, 
a lot of, I guess, you know, people in that situation, whether 400, 450, 300, someone who's kind of gotten out of control, it seems like it's all like, it's, it's really about that, that, that uh, mindset, that, that really about their relationship with themselves and not just about, and I, and I think I read something that you wrote. It's, it's really not about like the weight loss per se. It's way more about that relationship and, and things like that. I'm wondering like, if you could kind of like speak on that aspect of things, um, of having that relationship between liking yourself, not liking yourself, liking your surroundings, what you're doing and how that can make a difference um, in your, in someone's journey with their health. Well, cause I think a lot of that, it's not even at the conscious level and, um, until you, until I took the action to bring it there because it was much easier to blame what was going on and who I was on external circumstances being dealt a, you know, a bad hand, you know, having it tough. Like I have bad genes. I, I don't eat so much. I don't do that. Like I, like I, I sh okay. I should be overweight, but I shouldn't be super obese like this. Like obviously, you know, I could lose weight if I tried, but I shouldn't be as big as I am because of whatever reason. But it, it goes much deeper than that. That's just looking at the surface level and what, what causes that to happen and what causes that to, to continue happening is the, not just inability, but more, more the, the not willingness to really look inside and see, okay, so why am I leaning on this? Why am, why every time, like at the end of every day, like it was a quote unquote stressful day, it, what I didn't enjoy it. Why do I then go and buy half the dollar menu and just eat it? Why is, why is that the answer? And it's very tough to, to look at it like that. And because then it becomes me, it's not my, it's not the situation. It's not the circumstance. It's not other people. It's me. That's what inside of me is causing that. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's definitely eye opening. And I feel like maybe so many people, like you're saying, like it's hard to get there. People don't want to get there. So people never get there. So they never really could get change. It's, it's, it's so deep. Really and and you know what? There's there's also nothing wrong with is leaning on other people. Doesn't just mean having friends. Going to therapy, talking to professionals who deal with other people that 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 have been in this place because experience is always key. Yeah. Just like in fitness, I, I would correlate um, experience to conditioning. If you're the more conditioned you are, the more experienced you are. The more experience you have, the better. Not that. The, the, not the more equipped you are to deal with something, but perhaps the more equipped you are to open somebody else's uh, mind to help them deal with something. Yeah. And you, you spoke about conditioning. You did an Ironman. I mean, tell me about that. <laughs> tell me about that experience. I mean, the training, the feeling of being able to do an Ironman. I mean, just tell me about it. So it was, first off, it was a very, it was a very long day. <laughs> it was a long day. It was, it was a fun day. And I mean, the, the real, the, the work and the sense of accomplishment in a race like that isn't, to, isn't crossing the finish line. It's towing the start line because once you get to the start line, anything could happen throughout that day and things will invariably always go wrong. But knowing that you put in all the work to get to that start line is the reward not the finish line, not necessarily the time. And I wasn't racing for a time because it, I mean, it was an Ironman. It was my first. And I, I, I just, my goal was to finish. That was my goal. And the training, 
um, it, it was one of the more difficult things I've done. And not because I don't love the fitness. It's, there, there, were t- there were times that you just, you have to apply a discipline that isn't the same as just going out and waking up and working out for the love of it and for the fun of it, because there's structure. There's, you know, you have to give up certain things at certain times. Like going to sleep at 8.30 at night when the sun is out in the middle of June is not an easy thing to do. You know, everybody's going out, they're drinking, they're having fun, they're going to the beach, whatever they're doing, it's, it's not the night yet. Having to draw the shades and say, I have to wake up at 3.45 in the morning because I have, you know, a 15, 18 mile run and I have to be on the train to work at 7.30. Like you have to calculate all that in there. And there are sacrifices um, that, that need to be made in both your personal life uh, and even your fitness goals, because it's, it's, it's multi-sport. Like if you're a cyclist and you want to grow in cycling, you're not necessarily going to be able to grow the same way if you're cutting into it with running, with swimming and training 15 to 12. I mean, you, you, you end up training um, a minimum of 14 hours a week, a maximum 20, 25 hours a week. That was, you know, my, my training and it's a part-time job. It, it's really a part-time job. And the reward for me was showing myself that it can be done. And, and I, I don't look at myself as anybody special. Like anybody can, you put in the time, you dedicate the time and you, and you focus on the discipline. It just do it day in, day out. You can, and it's not, and I, I really, it didn't just manifest in the fitness. It didn't just manifest in the training for the Ironman. It, it also helped me internalize that, discipline can help anything get done. And it's not that you're going to become, like I said earlier on, you're not, I'm not going to become good at something because I do it once. If I just do something once and I'm great at it, then that's not really a skill. That's something I was gifted with. That's something God gave me. I I like to say, if it's something I have to work at, that's something, that's my work. That's, that's discipline. And, and I think anything can be trained or conditioned really. It, some things take longer than others. Some things might be more difficult for me than others, but those are the more rewarding things to go after. And the training itself for the, for, for the race was, was the biggest reward, seeing that I can do that. And it, it actually helped me in the year afterwards, which is now, um, really rekindle my appreciation and my love for those sports. Because I'll be honest, there were times I, I got burnt out from that training. Because, because of the structure. I had to wake up, you know, last summer, it rained almost every single morning in between the hours of 5 a.m. and 10 a.m. And those are the hours I would go train outside. Now, I can run outside, but I don't ride my bike outside in the rain. So I, was, I would wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning in the summer and be riding my bike indoors in a basement. And, like, it just, like, it messes with your mind. And then the sun is out all day. It just messed with my mind. And it, and it just it sort of burnt me out towards the love of those sports. And, but, but fast forward afterwards, it really helped me just like to just give all that structure up and just enjoy it and, and treat it. And I didn't, I wasn't social about it. Like I I had goals and I had to, and I was very disciplined about the structure of those workouts that I did everything alone because, you know, it's not as fun for anybody else to have to do this interval of that and this interval of that. Like I, I can't do that with other people. So not having to do that, in the in the aftermath really helped me reconnect with my love for for those sports that's awesome i mean it's, a, it's one of the it's one of the, like the, the top um achievements re- regarding like fitness and discipline that somebody can achieve you know in our time and iron man is like very special um i, I i'm curious you know 
you speak on discipline, you speak on sacrifice. Do you feel that when people are looking to make a change, they don't, they don't realize or they're not open or they're scared or to make those sacrifices, they think it's going to be less, but really it's more. Or, and I'm not talking about extreme, like doing an Ironman or just kind of being healthy, uh, changing habits and behaviors, losing weight or gaining, whatever it is. Um, because it's not only not eating, saying no to certain things, building that no muscle, but it's also having to go to sleep or having to wake up earlier, just sacrifice and really being disciplined. Do you feel like that, that, that's something that like held you back maybe for a little bit or holds a lot of people back or have you spoken to people about that? I mean, I, I, I you know, there's still times I, I, I struggle with that, but I think I, I, I have, I have, it's also, I've sharpened the tool of like doing a cost benefit analysis sort of, sort of thing that, okay, I can enjoy it. I can have a good time. I could not wake up. I could eat this slice of pizza. I can do that. But what's the gain from that versus what I'm saying I'm going to sacrifice in not doing it and actually going to sleep and actually wake up and actually putting the time to do this. What's, what's the, like, what am I gaining from that? And really what am I losing by not doing the other thing? So I got a little bit better on that. And a big part of, of being able to even do any of that is I have this, you know, I, I connected with a lot of people through fitness and those are right. people that I'm very, like I'm very close friends with. So that also like, that's, that's when I didn't really discuss a lot, but that drives me a lot now because those people won't let me fail. They won't let me stop. They won't, they won't put like, because I'm so loud and outspoken in that in that department like I don't stop talking about it like I, I don't stop trying to connect with people like if I quote unquote disappear like you know I have a very large local collective of people that run and ride like they'll notice me missing like I'll have somebody pick me up like I recently you know got surgery and I, I'm not able to run or ride for you know the last three weeks but my running partners and the people I've met through triathlon and swimming and riding, they show up here, they visit me, they, we sit out in the backyard, a couple of them come and go take me for walks, even though I'm sure it's painstakingly slow for them. But like, that's also part of, you know, you don't have to go it alone. You don't have to do that cost benefit analysis. I'm sacrificing something because you're also gaining something else. I, I feel like I gained something else that I didn't have before. And it was that support system, not just in life, but also in this new element of my life, which is, so important to me in fitness like that's you can connect with people and it doesn't have it doesn't have to be running it doesn't have to be riding it can be walking it could be people that you know you 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 have a cooking group even like that you share recipes that are healthy like if there's so many ways to connect with other people that make it healthy and that they're supporting that healthy lifestyle yeah i i it seems like having that support has been like huge huge for you I'm curious, like living intentionally, right? I wonder what, what, like, I like to ask my, my people who I'm speaking with, like, what does living intentionally mean to you? So I'll tell you, because I have that support system now, but when I started, I, I, I spoke to you about that three to six month, months of no motivation in the gym. Yeah. So even once I got that motivation, it was another year before I even left the gym and went outside to even be seen by other people working out. So that like that living intentionally, it's something that I needed to really channel within myself and have a reason and have a purpose before I was even 
comfortable enough to to do it with other people. Like I I was I was in the gym for 18 months before I stepped foot outside and did anything like that conditioning I spoke of in in training or whatever it is, and it, it translated that I was able to really you know pick up other people along you know along the way very quickly. Like I, I wasn't slower or whatever it might have been. Like I was able to handle working out with other people, but it really required that 18 months of really in, internalizing and focusing on the me like what what am i going for here let me make sure it's real to me and 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 where am i going and then i can start introducing other things into it that's awesome do you, do you just in terms of, you mentioned pizza um like what's what's kind of like do you eat pizza every now and then like what's kind of i like, do not so do you have a burger ever or, or ice cream or like, so there, there are food. There are foods that I consider trigger foods um, that, okay. like, I that I I avoid not because I think they're you know the devil. They're the worst foods that people can't eat them. But because for me that there's really like eating bread. There's a it doesn't make me feel good anymore, especially you know enriched life or whatever it might be. It doesn't make me feel good when I eat it, like physically, not just mentally, emotionally, but physically it doesn't make me feel good because I haven't eaten it in a long time regularly. But there are trigger foods that, like, for me, eating them spurs a negative reaction. And it's not like it doesn't stop at just having one piece. Like, when you sit down to a Friday night meal, the, the, the dips activity begins. And I could eat 4,000 calories of bread right then and there. So there are certain things I try to avoid because I want to set myself up for success. Not because I think they're inherently bad. Not because I think I can't handle them. But I why put that stumbling block in front of me when there's – I could – there's so many other things to deal with. So I don't eat the, and it's really limited in the things I say I don't eat outright. It would be pizza, bread, and, and pasta. And that's not to say that if, you know, I'm at an event and there's some tasty looking, you know, pasta dish over there, I won't have a bite and taste it. But I will, I, I, those are things I, I will not like eat a meal of pasta or pizza or bread. I won't sit down and have a sandwich like that, that, that won't happen. I can't eat bread. I can't eat pasta just because, I don't, they're not good for me. It's a trigger for me. Not saying that they don't work for other people. It, it's just, that's just a, that's just a me thing. And right. you asked about like ice cream or other, I try to not have um, lots of sugar or sugar in general, because unless I know how sugar is utilized, unless you utilize sugar, there's only two things sugar is used for. It's for energy or it stores as fat. I think the body is not going to burn it otherwise at rest. Yep. It's not it's just not how it works. Yep. So once I learn that, it's, it's, it, it's easy to know that, but to really, um, you know, correlate that and say, okay, I'm not going to eat the sugar because I'm not going to use it. That's a little bit harder because you have, I have cravings. So I, I do eat foods that I like I, I, because I don't consider myself on a diet. I live a lifestyle because if it was a diet, to me, the connotation of that is it's temporary. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to think of it as a lifestyle and I have to, you know, for the first two years, there were things I, I totally cut out a lot of stuff before I started reintroducing it For sure. and then reintroducing it in a health, in a healthy way that it was, okay, I can have it every now and again. I can have small amounts. I can enjoy it when I'm exercising more. Obviously I'm a little bit more lax about the types of sugars I'm ingesting because actively I'm burning it off. But otherwise I, I try to be, you know, focused on, because it also doesn't make me feel good when I eat those things. And now I realize it's those things making me not feel good physically, not just, oh, I'm just not feeling good because of some unknown reason. Yeah. I think it's really um, 
cool, like, kind of like you, you said no for, for a, a long time before reintroducing. I think that's something that uh, may be missing in people's mindset of like, you should say no for a while and then learn mm-hmm. how to reintroduce in a healthy way, in a supportive way. But sacrificing and saying no is kind of, is, is definitely important, especially, you know, if you have goals, if you really want to do something, because I mean, at the end of the day also, you know, the diet aspect of things, I mean, that's when, when things end, that's when things go bad at the end of, at the end of when it ends, you know? So it really has to like kind of be this kind of lifestyle that you, you speak, you speak of. Where, where can people, like, I, I, I've seen some posts from you. Um, you were on another um, podcast, uh, Humans That Run. Um, where can people like find you and, and get, and, and maybe even contact you or just see you uh, posting and kind of get, you know, inspiration from you, um, what would you say the best place is? I mean, you can find me. I know I was a little bit difficult to, to contact via Facebook with, for you. You can find me on Facebook, you know, my name, Louis Seif, or on Instagram, a, cha- a champion of obesity. Um, and people who do contact me that way that want to have more like a person, like a back and forth, I, I would, you know, I do give people my phone number and we interact, with, whether it's via phone call or WhatsApp or whatever it is. So those are both good uh, mediums uh, to find me. I, I want to try and grow my outlet a little bit, but part of that was also I needed to be comfortable in the maintenance place before I started feeling like I, and it, it was a purely selfish thing because we like, Oh, you have such a message. Like people are going to listen. I'm like, well, I know that that 450 pound guy, you told me, go to this, go to this, this motivational speaker. He dropped 200 pounds. My first question would be like, yeah, how long ago was that? He kept it up <laughs> six months, time to come back to me in two years. Let's see what he looks like. Let's see if he's still living that lifestyle. So that's also why I, but I, but, but part of what I'd like to do now, I'm I'm trying to expand that network because I do feel comfortable with with that more now. That's awesome. That's good to hear. Wow. That's good to hear. Yeah. I think, I I mean, I I know it was a little difficult, but I really appreciate you making the time. Um, I, I, I mean, like I said in the beginning, like I just love learning from, you know, having these conversations um and and thank you thank you so much for sharing um, thank you for any, having me is there any yeah my pleasure is there any I, I like to kind of ask like is there anything that you would like to share that you have in mind that you would like to kind of a topic that you would like to be asked or just like to share if you think is an important message to put out there I mean, I, I, I think the, the, the biggest takeaway that I have from, from, from all of this and the lifestyle is that, and I know it's, it's, it's cliche. It's extremely cliche. I like the cliche. cliches. So the cliches are always actually on point. They're only, but they're only meaningful once, once you've reached that point. Yeah, sure. But it, it's, well, a big, a big thing I like to say a lot is you, you only hit rock bottom once you stop digging, once you throw away the shovel. Like, you can always climb out, but the whole only, it only stops getting deeper when you make that choice to stop digging. And it's a very tough realization to come to. It's a very tough realization to come to, that, like, that I have control over how low I go. Not necessarily the heights I reach, because, you know, there's other circumstances or how quick it takes to get there, or how hard it is to get there, but... I can, I can keep going down. It's my choice to stop that downward trajectory. So basically what you're saying is, if I, if I understand correctly, is we have choice and we can choose one way or the other. Right. And you know what? We might never fully climb out of that hole, but we 
continually get deeper until we decide to stop digging. That's a, that's a fact. That's a fact. I wonder, just uh, something I'm curious about, um, when you see someone now who is, you know, either where you were physically at your highest weight or close to it, where's your, where does your mind go? My, my mind, I, the first is, is, is compassion. Like I, I sort of feel bad. Like I know, I, I don't know what they're going through, but I know what it's like to be in that body and possibly that mind. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and people ask like, you know, if I'm with somebody and they see that, like, do you, you know, maybe you want to go over and say something. Like, I said, honestly, I wouldn't have listened to somebody coming over to me. I needed to reach out. I needed to take that first step. Once I take that tiny, tiny first step. Yes. Getting pushed is very, very helpful. But you're not going to get pushed if you're chaining yourself to the wall. Like you have to break free of that chain a little bit. You have to reach out. Um, and I, 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 you know, love to start a conversation. But really, the point where my mind goes to is 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 a feeling of compassion. It, it's it's very difficult in in that mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You, I wonder. Like, I guess for them to make a huge ch- like a change, they need to reach out. But I wonder, like, just someone coming over. And maybe put yourself back in that place and say, you know, hey, like, I know what you're going through. Like, you feel like that would it would kind of be like this, like, bandaid of like, oh, that feels good. But, like, it's not actually going to do anything. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I haven't experienced it yet. Like, that it has, like, I've, I, because I have gone over to people or spoken to people. And I haven't had the experience. Well, and this it could be too short term. It could be someone will come back to me in two years and say, like, oh, that conversation. Right. But it's tough to really broach the topic because like I know if somebody that looks like me came over to somebody that looks, looked like me, I would have accepted what they had to say, even if they showed me a picture, like, because I would have thought that was a temporary thing. Like, Oh, this person was like, they could have been a college athlete and they just let go. Like I would have come up with every sort of rationalization as to why this person doesn't have it as bad as me, or they don't know what I'm going through. Meanwhile, it was my whole life. This, this wasn't like what I am now. I'm not used to that. I'm, I'm still like, I still feel like that person who, you know, who I was because that's what I lived the bulk of my life as. So I, I, I would, you know, maybe there's ways I can work on that approach. That's possible. Um, I'm not saying it wouldn't help, but I, I don't, I don't know how. And I, if I, people I have spoken to that have reached out, I, most of them have agreed with, that yeah, I wouldn't listen to someone that just comes up to me because they feel, I, I would have felt judged. Uh-huh. And no one wants or or shame or you know those negative emotions. Now those throwing, negative yeah those negative emotions might be felt even if I do reach out. But since I'm initiating, I, I can't lean on that. I, I have to be. It's not comfortable, but I'm causing that discomfort, which is okay. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's something that I have to do. Like that can't be something that somebody else makes me do. Yeah. I have another flag behind me that says seek discomfort. Oh, yes, yes. Well, that, I mean, and that's so much like, that's such a big thing I learned from exercise that the gains only happen when, you, if you just keep doing what's comfortable, you're never yeah. going to get stronger. You'll be, you can be fit, you can be conditioned, but you're never going to get stronger. Getting uncomfortable, seeking that discomfort is the change. That yeah. is where change happens. For sure. Louis, thank you so much um, for coming on. And uh, I know that we went through this once before about 10 minutes ago, but thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hopefully we can stay in touch. 
Absolutely. Um, I'll be easy with our contacts from now on. <laughs> I love that. Thanks. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Living Intentionally podcast. Again, if you enjoyed, leave us a follow, give a share to a friend, and as well, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I also have a group on Facebook for Jewish men. It goes by Fit Yid Academy Health and Fitness Community. As well, you can follow me on Instagram at the Fit Yid. On Facebook and LinkedIn, it's Chaim Loeb, C-H-A-I-M-L-O-E-B. I'm looking forward to talking with you, interacting, and getting to know you. Please reach out. I would love to talk to you. Have a great rest of your day.